This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, good afternoon. It's uh, just coming up to uh, five o'clock, a couple of minutes away. Final score at the Liberty Stadium, Swansea City 1, Bristol City 0. A little bit academic because uh, Cardiff got the three points they needed to rubber stamp. They haven't getting through to uh, sixth place in the division. Uh, Dave's in the studio with us already. Uh, Dave, your uh, initial thoughts on that um, action from the Liberty Stadium today? Um, I, I think today was all about that 10 minutes from um, just before halftime where we, we basically dropped off a bit, um, got a little bit sloppy in our passing and, and Swansea built their momentum and, and got their got their goal probably just about deserved. Second half, I thought we'd give it a really good go. We passed it around. I thought we were, were patient, but um, in the same way, we also got the ball into the box and got the ball advanced, but ultimately that... that that 10 minutes before halftime did us today. I thought we gave a reasonable display. Okay, I mean, if you look at the goal, it came at, uh, well, 45 plus two. Um, can't really, can we blame anybody for that? It was a good shot onto the bar. Um, Benz couldn't really do much about it, could he? No, I just say, so I think it's a culmination of the building that 10 minutes of pressure. A couple of balls flashed across our box in, in the preceding minutes and uh, they ultimately kind of got that you know, stroke of bad luck with the shot and a, a stroke of good luck that went straight to Connor Roberts who, who slotted it home under a bit of pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one shot on target, I think it was, in the whole game. And I think by the end of it, we were playing a formation that looked something like 4 naught 6 or a variation on that. Um, it's got to be a cause of concern, hasn't it? Yes, that uh, lack of penetration in the final third of the field. Yeah, I think we we lack that that bit of quality in the final third today. Too many balls, you know, and crosses coming in that didn't look like they were trying to check out men. They they were more kind of balls into an area, uh, and whether that's you know what what they're doing by design rather than rather than you know trying to pick people out and expecting people to run. But yeah, we just didn't have that, that final bit of quality. 
Yeah, plenty of possession though. Fifty-seven against forty-three. Looking at this, mm, yeah, I thought at, at times we we held the ball really well and progressed it up the pitch really well. And I say it really was when we got around the box that we just didn't quite have that uh, guile to to create you know the clear cut chances. What do you put that down to, though? Do you think that's the players are tired? I mean, you know, OK, they're playing twice a week, but in a normal season, they do that. And they've had a 14-week break and a four-week mini-season. It, You know, it just all seemed a bit... I said before the game on uh, Twitter, I said, just got an end-of-season feel about it before the game had even started. Yeah, and I, I think I was worried that when we when we lost the goal before half-time, we might come out second half and, it, you know, it might be two, three or, or more as we kind of, you know get on the beach but in, in fairness we didn't do that today but yeah that just that general lack of lack of sharpness up, up top I thought Benick looked like a player coming back from a from a long injury he got better actually as the game game went on the second half he was a bit better and quite instrumental in us kind of getting the ball forward and then going wide from from getting it into his, his feet but yeah that, that kind of quality not, not there and whether that's movement the pass is not being seen early enough I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure I'm it doesn't feel like a fitness thing. Um, they, you know, we were running pretty hard at the end there. Um, probably looked looked fitter than Swansea did, in fairness. And maybe for Swansea to felt that their chance had gone a bit as well if they were aware of the uh, Cardiff result this afternoon. Maybe I'm sure they know those things going out on the pitch. Yeah, I guess they've still they've still got an outside chance, haven't they? If Cardiff lose and they win, then they'll they'll sneak into into sixth place. Uh, Mm-hmm. There's still a little bit of hope for them. Can you see, so, yeah. can you see I, Cardiff I, 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 doing? Can you see Cardiff slipping up against? <laughs> can you see Cardiff slipping up against Hullo? I think one one at Luton today to give themselves a fighting um, a fighting job. Yeah, no, I can't see um, Cardiff. Um, pretty strong, we said about pretty strong um, for the COVID. Talked about possession, shot. They they yeah they've sorted it Cardiff. Fourteen shots against their seventeen. We said one on target against their seven. Eight corners. I guess that shows a reasonable amount of pressure, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I th- you know, I, th- I thought second half we were knocking on the door, and you know, we made the subs, got the penalty, and you thought actually, it's, it, I, th- I think it's pretty deserved that we get back into the game, get the equaliser. Um, unfortunately, Fam, it's actually his first touch, um, put it against the post, and his second touch was you know off the rebound and, and wide. I, I think under the rules, if, if you get the ball back off the post, you, you can't put it in yourself anyway. So. Uh, I don't think it counted even if he'd struck. No, it. that that was my understanding. You can't put it in 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 the back of the net if if no other players touch it. The goalkeeper parries it out to you. You can, yeah. but uh, but I mean, do you think that was whose decision was that to let Fam take it with his first touch? Because Naki had been out there, not having the greatest of games, but first touch for Fam was he trying to get sort of get his stats looking good, make it a record season for him, or who? Who would have taken that decision? Would that have been agreed before the game, or or what? Yeah, I don't. I think he is the go-to penalty taker. Right. So if he's on the pitch, then I, I guess he takes it. You know, there, there'll always be an element of well, actually, he's just come on. Is he up to speed yet? And you know, we'll we'll all be sat here tonight saying no, he shouldn't have taken it. Um, he's taken some fairly cool and important penalties for us in the past. And as I said, the first one he's missed for us. Yeah, is that right? He's, he's not missed one before tonight. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. Let's go through the individual uh, players uh, today. I mean, let's go back in goal. Ben, I mean, Bents. He did one little one-handed onto the bar, didn't he? Before they scored, which was a cheeky little lob by um, uh, Ayo, I think it was. Was it? What were, what were your thoughts on uh, on Bentley today? Oh yeah, I thought he was really solid today. I thought we had a. a, a... 
a really good game. Um, they, you know, he made the saves that he did. His handling was was, was pretty uh, pretty tight today. I think there was one one loose uh, clearance where Ayu tried to lob it back past him. But I think generally he had a really really solid game in there today. And I think you know late on when they were had us a bit stretched, I think he made some you know some good saves and, and kept hold of the ball and didn't spill it out for any rebounds. So, yeah, I thought he had a good game. What about that situation where Viner was trying to shepherd the ball back and it just didn't carry on the pitch and uh, their player went tumbling? Do you think that was uh, any chance of a penalty there or not really? No, not at all. No, um, I think Viner's probably just got to be more decisive and uh, if he if he's going to try and knock the ball back to Bentley, just just knock it softly but to the to the sides as well. So to you know. Bentley gets on him a bit quick, then he's not in trouble. But no, I don't think there was any. any yeah. Before we go through the rest of the team, joining us uh, in the studio is uh, Pete up in uh, Pete up in Reading. Uh, I don't know if you've got your cap with you today, Pete. But uh, I said before the game, an end of season feel about it. Let's have a quick thirty second wrap from you on how you saw the game in total before we get down into some of the detail. Well, when we finished with seven players who were attacking. Uh mind on on the pitch you have to look at the beginning of the game when we were in essence looked like the bristol dance collective or the bristol contemporary dance collective because we just could not put our foot on the ball retrieve it we were losing it and in essence there was no degree of no semblance of any rhythm that we could put together then right in the middle uh, of of that, if you look at the uh, tremendous substitution, Nicholas Lyonson after 19 seconds whips the ball across. Dejou's shirt is pulled. And what do you think is going to happen next? You would never have thought that that post was going to come into play, and it would bounce out ineffectively. And in essence, that has to be a summation of our season. Yeah, no, I, I think I've got to agree with you there. Um, we were just talking, uh, Pete, going through the team. We thought Bentley had a sound game. The one bright spot for me, and he started in the, in that back three, was uh, Zach Viner. I mean, I thought he gave a good performance this afternoon, Dave, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think he was he was really, really solid. Um, and I, I like what he did with the ball. Um, um, I thought he was getting better on the ball in the, in the previous game against Stoke, having perhaps been a little bit off it in the, in the game against... Um, against right. Cardiff um, having just come back into the team but yeah today I thought he strode forward with it I thought he looked really really confident and, and, and yeah, I just think it was a, a very mature performance Were you surprised to see Ashley Williams back in the side we knew Baker was sort of uh, injured and I'm guessing uh, Benkovic was injured as well but um, were, you, were you surprised we, I thought we'd seen the last of Williams following his city sending off at Turf Forest but how did you rate his performance uh, uh, Dave today, decent. Ashley Williams, until he went off with uh, 20 minutes to go. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. decent. I, you know, I thought like you, yeah. we'd seen the last of him, but I guess if you, if Holden wants to play a, a back three and uh, two of your centre-backs are out injured in Baker and Benkovic, then it made sense to bring him in. I thought the interesting thing was actually he played Callas on the left-hand side, which we'd not seen before, um, and, and Williams no. played centrally. Actually, I think through that first half, until that kind of little wobble before half-time, I thought we moved the ball amongst the back players really well. And I thought we got it into midfield pretty well. I think there was one run from, from Williams where he surged forward. Yeah. And, Peter, you know, I guess with... Uh, he did. No, he did. 
He did. Peter, I guess with Viner showing that he can come back into the side well and Taylor Moore, you know, we've got Callas and Baker, they're under contract. That's four good central defenders there and Viner can play out wide a bit as well. Uh, we you know, so would suggest that we probably, that's one area where we don't need to do any strengthening in the summer unless Benkovic stays on, which is looking unlikely because I think Ian was telling me one of the top Russian sides are after Benkovic. But uh, do you think we look strong with those four as our first choice central defenders looking into next season? Well, I was impressed with Pierre as well, to be fair. I mean, uh, yeah. he, he came on, did a job. The, the one thing that I, I, I was conscious of, and I wrote down in my notes uh, when we went in for half time, was that Jack Hunt looked as though he'd lost confidence because he was getting beat. He wasn't getting the ricochets. He was losing the ball. And in essence, I was thinking, you know, one of the things that Holden needs to do is put an arm round Hunt and just bring his confidence back up because he, he looked to be suffering. Blow me down, Holden, a man, you know, a man who mm. just, right, wakes him and bangs Pierre on. So, you know, that was, uh, yeah. that was, you know, brutal. That was an interesting tactical substitution right right at half time. I mean, Dave, do you feel Pereira, as as P just said, he, 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 he did okay, but money's going to be at a premium next season. We're not really going to go out and splash, I'll say, three million on. Pereira, are we? Would you, if it was your decision? Is he that? Is he worth doing that? What do you think? No, not not in not in current financial financial climate. Um, I think he he's, he's done all right. I really like really like him, and I think he, you know he's only going to get better as well. He's only twenty one, twenty two, isn't he? But I think there's a lot of money for us to outlay on a on a position where we've got Hunt um, under contract, and I think Viner. As the as the deputy there, if if need needs be, I think we probably depend on you know new man coming in. We might need another centre back if we're going to play three at the back. I don't think we can go with four, but yeah, um, maybe, yeah, maybe. So, certainly, someone okay. to look, look at if you can if you can improve. Yeah, we've looked at the uh, defence. Let's look at midfield. Um, I thought I thought Corey Smith was a bit better today and you know whether he's only got one more sh- uh, match in a Bristol City shirt how did you rate Corey Smith's performance he was replaced by Casey Palmer with uh, 23 minutes to go but uh, Peter your thoughts on uh, Corey today he wasn't uh, you know he, I, I didn't think it was a bad performance it wasn't great but it was well that's a bad uh, performance, was it? yeah, it's, it, it's always um, disappoint. it's always disappointing to see a stalwart and particularly an iconic player like Corey Smith play his last game but, you know, that's one of the positions where we really do need to focus on what I would call premiership quality. Bless, mm. bless Corey. He's a willing runner. He's had terrible injuries. He's come back from them. I don't wish him any ill at all. But, you know, we need to do what Swansea did, which was to be able to switch the ball quickly from left to right in midfield. And I don't think we possessed a player that could do that. They were outwitting us in midfield. Simple possession, a slight dip of the shoulders, a twist, a turn, and all of a sudden we're in trouble. And we did not really do that to Swansea today. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, Vyman and Patterson, who made up the trio of uh, midfielders, I mean, they've Vyman did three assists the other week. Patterson scored a couple of cracking goals. But they, and Peter's just said about quality in the middle of the park, those two are just almost like nearly men, aren't they? You'd have one, well, they're different because 
Vinan's got the pace, but they're not players that are going to win you matches and dominate the midfield for you, are they? No, I think they're all about you. You, you want you want to get on the ball and you want to keep possession and you want to bring them into the game rather than going and winning it back and, and, and doing things. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I keep referring to that kind of 10-minute spell before half-time. But for me, that was the, that was the 10-minute spell where Patterson looked like he was just, uh, I think I made some notes saying, you know, it looks like a couple of players are strolling at this point and Patterson looked like he needed a second win, probably needed half-time to, half to come. And that was where they started to dominate that. I thought Vyman was... Was probably that certainly up there as, as being one of the, the the picks today. I thought he got through a tremendous amount of work with and and without the ball. You know, certainly in the last twenty minutes, he's almost playing like a sweeper and then getting forward into into midfield as well. So I I, I think that's, that's that's the dilemma, isn't it? If you play if you play Pass and Anvayman in there, you've got to accept you're going to lose a little bit on the on the defensive side as, in terms of protection in front of that defence yeah. and potentially getting outnumbered. Well, not necessarily outnumbered, outplayed by a, a well-drilled Swansea midfield. You know, played like that, you know, certainly in the midfield all, all season like that, yet yeah, we're in game, game four under Dean Holden trying to play a, play a new way. But I don't think many people, sorry, which are not a bit here, I don't think many people before the game would have expected us to have 429 completed passes against 315 for Swansea. I think they'd expect to be massively the other way around. So, oh, definitely. Well, that's an interesting statistic there. And again, we had, as you said earlier, 57% possession. Okay, up front, um, Wells and Afobi. Peter, I was chatting to Ian during the game. And uh, he felt he, he thought of Phoebe, he looked like he put on a bit of timber. You know, he didn't look as nimble on his feet as he has done. And again, he didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a great game. I think it was a chance in the first half. And Naki Wells, uh, some of his uh, play outside of the last third of the pitch, it's not, he's not the greatest uh, passer. What are your thoughts on the front two today, Wells and Afobi, which if Afobi were to join us, which is looking unlikely, could be our strike partnership next season. What are your thoughts on them today? Well, I don't know if anybody can recall a Phobia's explosive start away at Birmingham when he was absolutely lethal. Didn't score that day, but he looked absolutely electric. And then I come back and think to myself about Nanky Wells's performance when he played for us, funny enough, in uh, the QPR games, when he transferred to us uh, mid-season. And again, he looked electric. Now, both those players seem to have lost five or so percent of their performance. And I, and I worry about that. Is it the impact of, 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 of the lockdown and, and the lack of football? Have they not kept their particular sharpness? Is it the way we're playing? Is it the fact that we're just playing better teams? And they take nothing away from Swansea. You know, that they were a good, decent team that stuck 10 miles behind the ball. And they were very difficult to break down. They did a very clinical job today. Yeah, yeah, Dave. What did you think of the, the front two today? One shot on target between them, but is this just symptomatic if they don't get much service? Period. Yeah, I think um, part, partly that. I think with with Wells, he relies on early ball, and I think he. I think I said in the previous podcast that his running is very proactive, and you need people who are going to pick that run early because that's what gets him in space. He's not great at holding the ball up under a bit of pressure. And if he's dropped, say, you know, five yards short off his centre-back and that ball comes to him too slow, by the time he gets it, he's got a centre-half centre up, his, up his backside and that's not his game. He wants it He wants it in that, you know, those few yards of space 
or to come alive in the box. And um, and we, so we, I wouldn't say service is great, but I think it, today he was he was disappointing with it, with his own play when he did get the ball. Um, a phobie, you know, I can tell you coming back from an ACL is 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 not not an easy uh, injury, and he just looks like his 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 mind and his feet aren't quite in tandem with each other at the moment and, and it's not surprising it can you know they quite often say that although you can be back fit to play it probably takes anything you, you, like as long a game to be back 100 percent sharp so yeah tough tough for bennett mm. we thought he battled away second half i thought we he, we built some attacks off of him but uh yeah he's probably not quite uh, as you know the shot certainly nowhere near the sharpest that we saw in those first five or six games for us peter triple substitution midway through the half uh Dijou. Palmer and Eliasson coming on. Um, I think it was uh, De Silva, Smith and Williams going off. So more attacking. Uh, um, DJ missed a penalty. We've already covered that off. Palmer, everybody's been crying for him to get in the side and Eliasson as well. They're sort of players that the fans seem to want. They We view them as flair players, but neither of them, well, Eliasson did put the cross in that led to the penalty area, but did either of them, Palmer in particular, impress you and think, well, why have they been left out, Peter? No. No. A simple no. Yeah, yeah. Casey Palmer, electric mid-season, or end of last season, electric beginning of the season. And to be fair, I I just, I'm in despair as to how a man that talented, who who absolutely mullered uh, Forrest last season away from home. Forrest were a good team going places, last season and, and, and Casey Palmer just ripped them apart, met them. And this season has not performed. So, you know, you've got to get into the minds of these players and try and establish exactly what makes them tick. And that's personal man management. Um, I don't know, but he can do a lot better and he wasn't doing it for us today. Yeah. I agree with that. No, I would agree. I would agree. Um, okay, we're still here with uh, the uh, head coach position uh, vacant. Dave, are you surprised that just with one game to go, we don't appear to be any closer to it? Liam asked, and you've answered and said quite possibly, do people think that there are a potential new manager is currently in a job, hence the amount of time it is taking? But yeah, Dave, it's, it's, you know, are you surprised? that an announcement hasn't been made yet, or do you think it'll be made maybe on Monday? So there is one competitive game where new man or person, I should say, can uh, take charge to a point. Yeah, it looks like I'm going to have to, to, to backtrack on my on my statement that, you know, I thought <laughs> someone would be in by the end of the season. But I, I am surprised. I thought we'd really want to try and get it done early, um, give the new man a chance to, to, to get, you know, at least partially embedded before the, the you know before the end of the season but it certainly looks likely now that the reason why we haven't made an appointment is because someone's in another job and they're not going to walk or you know not going to be allowed to leave that job while the season's still still going on and you know taking some of those candidates that we've, we've da- talked about Dave do you mean somebody's in an English job um not necessarily um you know I'm, I'm just Thinking off the top of my head here, you, you've got Yukanovich in Qatar, haven't you? So you know that could be an option. Who, who knows what, what's going on in some of the, the the European leagues if we're looking to go go that route? But you know, if we were if we were saying it's someone like a Paul Cook, 
then there's no way mm. we're going to appoint him while we're going to they're still battling away against against relegation. Um, mm. So, see, I, I don't know. I am surprised though. I, I say I thought it might have been done and dusted, which it starts to move me away from thinking we're going to get someone like Chris Hutton. Well, look, well, if I was Chris Hutton now, I'd be thinking, well, hang on, either they want me or they don't. I mean, I do headhunting of people that don't actually apply as a living thing. And I know if you identify somebody, you know, you know who the outstanding candidate is. And it's quite an art is to managing them. And, you know, you could always say, look, we need to look at some other candidates just to satisfy us that you're the right one. Well, clearly, Chris Hutton is the right one on paper. But, Peter, do you think maybe we could lose Hutton to Aston Villa because their relegation could be confirmed within the next seven days and Dean Smith could be out of a job? I wouldn't want him here. But Aston Villa, despite the ownership issues, yeah, um, that would be a more attractive proposition. What do you say to that for Hutton, Peter? Well, look, I, I've tried to explain in previous podcasts that this is a delicate balance. You've got almost three or four levers that need to be aligned in the right, uh, at the right level to get any movement at all. First of all, you've got an agent. And, you know, look, Chris Hutton's agent must be cautioning him and saying, well, don't take this too quickly because there could be other things coming up. Mm. Next, you've got Mark Ashton, who is an, a, you know, a fairly skilled negotiator. You've also got an owner who knows it's an absolutely key appointment and isn't going to be, want to be seen to have been rushing into anything until a whole host of other, if you like, um, things fall into place. And, you know, to come back to Dave's comment in the past, which is, I think, becoming ever more important, is there are going to be casualties in business. There are going to be casualties in sporting businesses and there are going to be casualties in the football league. Because currently the unsustainable model that we all knew about, well, you know, there's some realisations that you know, chickens are coming home to roost. There are some clubs that are, quote, unsustainable. There are managers on salaries that are unsustainable, not least players. And, you know, with the current turbulence in terms of live yeah. football and the way that they're going to want to retract the amount of money they pay, because I'm looking at the audiences they're getting and they're not high. So all of a sudden somebody needs to reset this and that will be a lot of opportunities for us to select a good manager at the right time. But I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know who that is. <laughs> no, D Dave. I mean, selecting Ian said to me the Ian's rationale for them not making a decision was that there may be a split camp on who is the best candidate. Yeah, is it about money? Is it about character fit? You know, again, at senior level recruitment, you can have the best CV in the world, but if you're not the right character, you're not going to be selected. Yeah. Do you think um, you know there are? issues in terms of the fit with the club that Hewton, you know, somebody like, what if Hewton comes along and says, I want to bring Paul Trollope as my assistant and what have you. Maybe Dean Holden and Jamie McAllister, based on the last two games, haven't done that much to give themselves a case for staying on. But do you think if a new man comes in, he now has the carte blanche to have his own coaching staff, which is goodbye to uh, Jamie and Dean. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, an element that will, will definitely be in there, um, you know, and, and, and there's also costs associated with that as well, especially if those, you know, the ma current manager and, and his current coaching staff are in, are in a job, then you're not just talking about compensation for the manager, either you're talking about compensation for the coaches as well. So that yeah. becomes, a, becomes an issue. I think the, the, the other area as well is, is um, if you take someone like Hewton, Hewton um, worked under a, a technical director at, at Brighton and actually 
in a fairly similar role to Mark Ashton. So that's a quite good fit. But that's not to say yeah. every other manager is. Um, I think, you know, taking an, another example, someone like Mick McCarthy, his football director or technical director was very much a very much a, a recruitment guy. So you could see that, you know, that clashing if you were going for that. So I think there's lots and lots of levers, as Peter said, to be pulled here. And actually pulling them in, the, you know, all up in the right directions at the right time, to quote Eric Morgan, you know, is, is going to be difficult. And I think that's what's leading us into not making an early decision. I think the transfer window, perhaps the, the news that that's, that's now set, perhaps says, well, actually, even if we don't go into the season, you know, fully ready, we've got a little bit of time to, to you know, to look at how we've done initially and then see if there's any areas of weakness that we need to improve upon. And that might also say we don't need to rush as well. But it's, it's a really del- delicate one. And, and, you know, the fact that we haven't moved by now says... We're it's not just a delicate bit of timing. Before, before pressure. Yeah. Mm. Tell me, just out of interest, what's the position yeah. with... Um, Ian, uh, Ian's just come in. I don't want to... Uh, sorry, go on. Yeah. What's the position at the moment with Preston? Yeah. It, does the game on uh, on Wednesday mean anything now? Preston can't can't get into the top six, can they? No, no. Uh, I'm just having a quick look at the table no, now. They no. can't, they're so they're out of it. Preston have got off. Preston have got sixty five points, so they can't get in it. The only team that could get in uh, is Swansea. So that win today did them a power of good. Uh, and yeah. who have they who have they now got on um, on Wednesday, Ian? I don't know. I know that Cardiff are away at Hull. So, I, I mean, I, if I was Swansea, I wouldn't be holding my breath thinking, oh, you know, Hull could certainly... Swansea are away. Swansea are away at Reading. Reading yeah. And Cardiff are home to Hull. Mm, yeah, well, so... There you are. Game you know, over. So game over from that perspective. I mean, you've got to feel sorry. And Ian, I don't want to go over the... Uh, I don't want to go over the game. We're just wrapping up on the manager and whatnot. I appreciate you coming in uh, at this late stage. But... Um, you know, you've got to you've got to feel sorry for Brentford a bit, really, Ian, haven't you? You know they won eight in a row, then they come up against a good Stoke side because Stoke were reasonable against us. If you're a Brentford fan, and I've got a very good friend who is one, you're feeling a bit sick this evening because it could have been in your own hands, couldn't it, by five o'clock today? Ian. Still, yeah, sorry, Dave, you went away for a bit there. Um, not really. I mean, you know, they won eight on the trot. I'd settle for winning eight on the trot any time. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> point eight, point eight would be nice, but um, no, I, I, I think you know it is what it is. I mean, West Brom will feel that they should have won yesterday. So I mean, it, it's very simple. Brentford have to win their last game to stand any chance. Um, yeah, and um, it, it, and West West Brom basically have to match Brentford's result. So whatever Brentford do, if if West Brom do it, West Brom go up in second place and, and they haven't been in great form lately. So Well they haven't. You know. And interestingly if both of them if both of them were if West Brom lost and uh, Brentford drew and Fulham won their last match, then Fulham they could still sneak in because they can get a maximum of eighty three points. And yeah. their last game of the season is a is away at Wigan. So, you know, Ooh. I just don't uh, I just don't know about that yet. But um, no well, w- w- Wigan's not a place you want to go at the moment because they've been in terrific form and fair play to them with that twelve point deduction hanging over to them. And the and the, the Sheffield Wednesday and the Derby uh, situation isn't over yet because um Barnsley's chairman's going to mount the legal challenge against the EFL um, for what they did on financial fair play. Because 
Be- yes. Because they right. both did the same yeah. fiddle, basically. They sold the ground to themselves. Yeah, I think I think he's even worse in, in, in Wednesday's uh, position because they did it after the end of the financial year that they were trying to report it in as well. And I think, you know, I was read, reading some, some stuff from a guy called Peter Lohman in the week. He's a massive Wednesday fan. Um, and he was talking about even if they get away with that, there's a chance that they might be done for aggravated <coughs> breach. And that can lead to nine points as well. So deduction, let alone 12 points. So there's a whole situation going on there that's not resolved yet. And, he, you know, Wigan might get reprieved by the fact that Sheffield Wednesday get done by the, by the EFL. Who's the manager at Wednesday? Um, Monk. Gary Monk. Is he a runner and rider? No. Interesting not, comment. Not, not, I, I wouldn't say for our job, no. Hmm. No, hmm. I, I've, I've got some, some respect for, for what he's done in various jobs, but he's also got some lack of respect for some of the other things he's done as well. So, uh, yeah, hmm. he's a mixed one for me. Hmm. But, yeah, I don't think he'd be in the running for us. Here's a name to throw into the manager. Here's a name to throw into the managerial one because before you came in, Ian, we were talking about Dave very much of the view that, in fact, no, it was Liam who put a note on there and Dave agreed. Is it a manager who's in a job at the moment? And I think we said a moment ago, well, Paul Cook's not going to leave Wigan yet. But I'm just looking at other managers in our division and watch out Mark Warburton at QPR, which have their own financial problems. And he was very successful. Mm-hmm at Brentford, what would people say? Do you think he might have a chance? He's not mentioned anywhere, maybe 40 to 1 or above. But what about Mark Warburton coming in who understands that model and he's very much a he's – a, well, he used to work in the city before he became a manager, didn't he? I mean, Peter – or Ian, rather, because you've only just joined us. What, what about Mark Warburton? A possibility? Not mentioned anywhere yet? Um, I mean, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be my choice, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't look at him in the same way as I'd look at you know, some of the names on there are just, I don't know, I don't, they're a bit fanciful. I mean, I can't see Thierry Henry leaving where he is and coming to us. I don't know why there's so much money being lumped on Gerard unless people out there know, you know, a lot more than me. Because the, the betting only adjusts because of where money's being lumped. So if somebody has a, you know, sticks 25 grand on Gerard getting the job um, at five to four, then, then they'll adjust mm. the odds downwards. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't think well, he's a terrible manager. He did some good work at Rangers, didn't he? Um, and was yeah. he at Forest? Yes, he did as well. Yes, he did. Um, yes, I think he did. So I think he knows. He yeah. knows the. He knows the division. Um, but I think you've got to look at people who've got clubs out of it. Yeah, you, you've got to look at people, yeah. and as well as that, kept not very good teams in the Premier League because really? if we go up. Um, if, let's say we went up this season with oh, the squad we've got. That'd be a nightmare. We, we would yeah. be a not very good team. Although I don't subscribe to this, I call it a stupid view. That oh well, please, we, we mustn't get promoted now because we might come back down. Well, so what? Get promoted, get hundred million quid, come down, trouser another forty million, forty million quid, and go up with yeah. a property like Burnley did. That would be yeah. you know my answer yeah. to that. I think West Brom did it in the yeah. day, didn't they? Kind of went, went up, went down, went up, went down, and then That's right. established themselves for a num- number, yeah. of, number of seasons. I think yeah. I think you're right. You know, I think I think people are getting a bit kind of uh, what's the word um, emotional around. Oh well, if City gets the Premier League, I'm not going to see them. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say, and I know Ian and I, and I we always we always Ian and I we always. 
Ian and I always people that say, "Oh, we should be happy where we are," you know, and all that, you know, because we want we want to play at the highest level. Uh, Dave, I mentioned Warburton just then. Yeah, Ian thought probably not, but you know, any thoughts on that one? I bet if we all put a tenner on him after this podcast, he'd probably go up into fifth place in the betting. But what would your thoughts be on Mark Warburton? Yeah, I think firstly on the on the on the betting side. I think, you know, we've all seen from the forum that if someone sticks a fibre on, the market's a, a pretty small market in the grand scheme of things that a fibre has an influence <laughs> on, on the odds. So, you know, let's not get carried away. The fact that the bookies have not laid down a clear odds on favourite at any point, you know, and I'm talking short odds on, shows that actually no one's really clear on the position. The only reason the various names at the front is because they've had more money put on them than, than, than other people and small money at that. In terms of, in terms of Warburton... Um, He's probably in that, you know, next group of managers down from the, you know, the names we've been talking about. Um, and, he, and he did do a, a very good job at, at, at Brentford. One of the people that I've, I've often mentioned in the past is Uwe Rosler, who's uh, just gone mm. to Dusseldorf back in, back in January. But he was the guy originally who kicked off the, the Brentford ban, bandwagon, followed up by Warburton yes, and, then, and then by... Uh, Dean Smith, etc. So, and I, didn't I Uwe Rossler didn't Uwe Rossler get uh, Fleetwood up from League Two to League One as well? Was he up there? Yeah, he might well have not. Done. He didn't have a very good time at uh, time at Wigan, but yeah, he's, he's oh maybe he, it was he Wigan. Yeah, to, yeah, he went to, he went to Malmo, um, and, and then he's yeah. recently gone to Dusseldorf. And, um, but uh, you know, I, I think he's someone I've always liked, but purely you know from the fact that he was what he was the original manager in place at Brentford, and we know how successful the Brentford's mold has been. Um, and Warburton took that on, and I think he's done a pretty good job at QPR because you know they haven't got a you know any money, you know they couldn't they couldn't afford to keep Naki Wells in January even though they want, mm-hmm. wanted to, um, and he, he's he's got them nice and safe in the middle of the table. They've got some good young players coming through, so I think he's got some merits, but he, he's not in the, the top bracket. But I think I think if you went into that blinkered and said, oh, God, we don't want Mark Warburton. I think, you know, it is, it is that you, you've not really looked at what, what he's done. He wouldn't be first choice, but he, he's, not, he's not a bad yeah. choice either. I'm just looking at Uwe Rossler while, we while we're talking. And when he was at Brentford, he was there from June 2011 to December 2013, had a win rate of uh, 44%. Then he went off to Wigan. I don't know whether he was fired or left of his own choice at, uh, at Brentford. He had a win rate of 40%. He was one of that merry-go-round of managers at Leeds, 12 games, 1-2. Then he re-established himself, as I thought, at Fleetwood, win rate of 42. Malmo, as you rightly pointed out, only 83 games with a win rate of 61. Um, Dusseldorf, 17 games, 1-3, drawn 10, lost 4. Overall win rate, though, four, I think any. Yeah, were they bottom when he bottom took over? Were they? Yeah, bottom of the league when he took over, and they, and they missed out on staying up on on the last day. Uh, so they, they did get relegated, yeah. but but five hundred and sixty games. Yeah, five hundred and sixty yeah. games in total. Win rate of forty four percent. So it's back to that. Anything win rate above forty is is not not to be sniffed at, is it? Well, I, I yeah, but Dave, look, come on, it depends where you are. I mean, you said yourself, True. his 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 win rate at Malmo was sixty odd percent. I mean, my question would be, why was it as low as that at Malmo? Yeah, because they're one of only about two or three half decent clubs in Sweden. Yeah. So yeah. You know, you you don't you know take the Malmo one out and see what he is. I mean, Lee Johnson's win rate is something like thirty nine percent, so it's not a million miles off forty. No, is it? 
No, you're right. No, no. Yeah, no, it wasn't you, suggesting you're right, much. It's just, it's just someone I've, you know, I've, I've kind of followed what he's what he's done over over the years because he did that, you know, did such a good job in kicking off Brentford. And yeah, my just, my yeah. concern, Dave, would be that why we haven't got somebody now, because I, I know it's only been. I mean, Dave reminded me earlier on. I thought it was longer, but Dave reminded me earlier on that it's it's only two weeks yeah. since Johnson's gone, but I. I I think that they should have had the guy in place and perhaps, you know, having a draw in the week and a defeat today will galvanise them to say, right, OK, look, you know, we've got to make a decision. Let's get on with it. Either that or they've got to come out and say, no, we're going to have a full interview process and that won't be conducted until um, after the season ends and we've got a short list of five and we're going to point from that. That, you know, that's the only thing. And then... They're not obviously not going to re, uh, reveal who's on the shortlist, um, but no doubt the media will find out, and and the people that are on the for uh, for a shortlist will tell their mates, and if their mates will leak it to the media or their agent will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that, well, that that's interesting, Ian, isn't it? I mean, so in essence, what you've just demonstrated is how prudent and professional we've been, because in essence, no one's been leaking at the moment. Now, is that because well, Chris, we, is that because we haven't been doing anything, or is it because it's been very discreet and very professional and not yet determined because the season isn't over and there are well, Pete, people... the, you know the, the, you say the season isn't over. The season's over. The season was over when we drew with Stoke. So no, no, no. I mean, it... other people's season isn't over. People in a job already. Okay, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll accept that, but I, I can't. You know, the fact that you say it hasn't been leaked, there was a story in doing the rounds uh, last week that Hewton had told uh, close friends that he expected to be appointed at Bristol City. Yeah, but so that's sort of, obviously, that's come from somewhere. I mean, all right, it looks and it could have been made up, couldn't it? But yeah, you know, been. Just I mean, this sounds like sources close to Laura Quinsberg, and we know the <laughs> avenue that leads us into, Ian, to be fair. Oh, Christ, you're not, you're not telling me Cummins is deciding who we get, are you? <laughs> no, we're driving up to Barncastle to do the interviews in a secret location, you see. I, I, can't, I can't do it, Dave. My, my eyesight's too good. <laughs> right, guys, I need to wrap this up because it's my stepdaughter, Amy's 21st, and i got to do Happy the Happy birthday, Amy. I think, I think a couple of you, uh, Ian and uh, Pete, have met Amy over the, over the years, so I'm, I'm the barbecue yeah. kid. Um, just one final thing on, on manager. We're talking about managers that are in jobs. Eddie Howe, anybody? Is he going to – would Bournemouth likely to keep him like I think Norwich will with Daniel Fark because they're not going to punish the manager for taking them down, whereas I think Dean Smith probably will go from Villa. Do you think Eddie well, Howe both, would we be happy with him? Both, well, hang on. Both Aston Villa and Bournemouth could stay up and Watford could go down. Which so, is why I'm saying the season isn't yeah. over. Well, yeah. and, and I wouldn't, so I wouldn't hang on and think, oh, yeah, well, we might be able to get, because I, I think you're right. I, I, and I don't necessarily see Villa getting rid of Dean Smith because they're, they're thinking might be, well, hang on, this bloke got us out of the championship last time and he did a good yeah. job at Brentford. Um, why don't we keep him? He knows what we need. Um, we'll, we'll sell a few players to, I mean, they're, they're nowhere near balance in the books. They're still in terrible trouble financially. Mm. But that 40 million quid they get uh, in parachute money and the 80 million or whatever they get for finishing bottom will 
um, you know, it would be a great help in, in giving them a decent start to next season. I, you know, I think they'll lose Grealish, but I can't see Bournemouth getting rid of Howe, to be honest, or Farka, Norwich getting rid of Farka, to be honest. No, I think, yeah. certainly think yeah. Bournemouth with Howe and Farka and Norwich, I think there's there's really strong chance that they'll, they'll keep them. Um, Smith, long-term projects for the both. I think if you think with Smith, you could think that. Oh, I wonder if Villa might think. Let's see what John Terry's like as manager. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. The, the the one thing that that just kind of on a slight left field for next season for those clubs is there's still a vote, isn't there, on this um, salary cap being introduced from next season? And yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty, pretty tough as well in terms of what they're what they're yeah. suggesting. And, and that might yeah, have a, I, a bearing on lots I, of things I think, as well. Yeah, Dave, I think you're only going to see that possible. I think you'll definitely see it in League One and Two. I think it's very difficult to do it in a championship because players have got contracts. So yeah. if, you, if you said to the club, well, OK, I mean, the way it normally does it, they'll say, right, uh, in the lower leagues, you can't pay anybody more than, or you can only play two players more than £5,000 a week. Or you do it like that. And it can only be X percentage of your turnover. Now, mm-hmm. if you did that, have you seen the proposals, Ian? I, I've seen. Uh, I, I saw. I read the first part of the proposal when they were talking about the salary cap for League One and Two. But I haven't seen anything for the Championship. Yeah, they're talking about an eighteen million pound player wow. salary cap. Um, That's 25. for your entire squad. Yeah, twenty twenty. Potentially limited to 25 player squads, lower in Leagues yeah. 1 and League, League 2. But what they're yeah. saying is the clubs that get relegated, all of your players that come down who've got existing contracts will be taken as a maximum of 720,000 per annum. So around about 14,000 a week. But that 25 times 720,000 actually makes 18 million. So what, Interesting. what it would do, what it would do would be really tough then to go out and replace your Grealishes and your Mings and your whoever else, McMinn, for example, with players and, and start paying them 30 or 40 grand, even though you've got lots of money. And, and so I think, mm. you know, if that gets voted in, that's going to be a massive game changer. For that that, for that sounds like that's going to be a big, and it'll, a big affect, discussion point. A big it, discussion yeah. point. Well, it'll yeah. affect uh, us as well, because, I mean, last season, our wage bill, or last set of accounts, our wage bill was thirty million. It was all of our tur- was was one hundred and one percent turnover. <laughs> yeah. When is that vote, by the way? C- coming up, uh, right this week, I don't know. But yeah, it's a really, really right, interesting week before Wednesday. Well, we should have discussed on Wednesday. Let's, uh, uh, as I say, I got to uh, go. It's bloody raining now as well. Typical. Um, um, hey, Wednesday. Let's do the same birthday, again. Amy. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the same again on yeah. Wednesday if we're all up for it. Yeah. Hopefully mm-hmm. by then we'll have a manager and we can talk about the future because the season okay it was gone probably four weeks ago never mind ten days ago or five days ago but let's look forward to Wednesday night against Preston meaningless game maybe we could declare a few players injured and allow Walsh and Morrell to come in and some of those players maybe Masengo will get another game between now and the end of the season don't know why he was left out today discuss that and Freddie Hines Freddie Hines some of those names on the outside if we're going to Dave, if we're going to do this on Wednesday, the kickoff Wednesday is quarter to eight. So my is suggestion it? would be we do it at sort of six thirty. Well, we won't know the Preston result by that. Let's play it by ear, guys. All right, let me. We we'll talk about that offline. 
All right. So uh, yeah. let's, okay. uh, let's 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 look at that, Dave. As always, thank you, Peter. Uh, don't know where your cat was today, but uh, say hello and uh, Ian. Thanks for giving a short time. I don't was, know where. I don't know where. He got to, he got Tuvy's missus to look after it. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good yeah. evening, guys. All the best. Yes. Have a good All the best, day. Dave. Bye. Take Cheers. care, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Cheers, Bye. all. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.